Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Battlefield, part of Waterloo Remembered. In this extract, the historian Ed Koss reads from the autobiography of Sergeant William Lawrence. Hi, this is Dr. Ed Koss, and I'm about to read to you from the autobiography of Sergeant William Lawrence. I chose him not only because he was a core part of my book, but because he always seems to be in the thick of things, and I think he captures some of the harrowing times at the Battle of Waterloo. Early in the morning of the 18th, we were again put on the march to join our lines, our position being in the reserve, which included the 4th and 27th regiments, together with the body of Brunswickers and Dutch, and formed a line between Mechbrand and Mont-Saint-Jean on the Brussels Road. Our regiment took the left of this road, but did not remain there long, for the French were seen in motion and on their opening fire from their cannon, we soon marched up to action in open column. During this movement, a shell from the enemy cut our deputy sergeant major in two, and having passed on to take the head off of one of my company of grenadiers named William Hooper, it exploded in the rear, not more than one yard from me, hurling me at least two yards into the air, but fortunately doing me little injury beyond the shaking and carrying a little piece of skin off the side of my face. It was indeed another narrow escape for it burnt the tail of my sash completely off and turned the handle of my sword perfectly blank. I remember remarking to a sergeant who was standing close by when I fell, well, this is sharp work to begin with. I hope we will end better. And even this much had unfortunately so frightened one of the young recruits of my company, named Bartram, who had never before been in action, and now did not like the curious evolutions of this shell so close to him, that he called out to me and said he must fall out of rank, for he was very ill. I could easily see the cause of his illness, so I pushed him in the rank again, saying, 
Why Bartram? It's the smell of this little powder that has caused your illness. There's nothing else the matter with you. But that physic would not content him at all, and he fell down and would not proceed another inch. I was fearfully put out by this, but was obliged to leave him, or if he had had his due, he ought to have been shot. But this time, I never saw him again for another six months. But even then, I did not forget him for this affair of cowardice, as I shall have occasion to show hereafter. The right of our line had been engaged some little time before we were ordered up, and then our position was changed, we having to cross the road and proceed to the right of the farmhouse called Le Haison. Owing to the main rain that had been peppering down the whole night, and even now had not quite eased, the fields and the roads were in a fearful state of dirt and mud, which tended to retard our progress greatly, as well as to tire us. It made it very bad, too, for the action of cavalry, and even more so for artillery. About 10 o'clock, the action of the day began at Hougoumont, off to our right, and from then it fell on our center, where we were attacked by a tremendous body of cavalry and infantry. The fire, however, which had kept up for hours from the enemy's cannon, had now to be abated in that quarter, owing to the close union of the two armies. And from this time onward, we endured some pretty heavy work throughout the day, having constantly to be first forming square to receive the repeated attacks of the cavalry, and then lying to meet their infantry, charge after charge being made upon us, but with very little success. At the commencement, the commanding officer was killed by a musket shot, but his place was soon filled up. On our left, the turnpike road was placed a brigade of German cavalry with light horses and men. When Bonaparte's bodyguards came up, they charged these, making fearful havoc amongst their number. They were routed and obliged to retreat but the lifeguards and Scots Greys, fortunately making their appearance immediately, some close handiwork took place, and the bodyguards, at last finding their match, or even more, were in their turn compelled to fall back before the charge of our cavalry, numbers of them being cut to pieces. Still nothing daunted, they formed again, and this time ascended at us. But of the two, they met with a worse reception than before, for we instantly threw ourselves into three squares with our artillery in the center. And the word having been given not to fire at the men who wore armor, but at their horses, which was obeyed to the very letter. As soon as they arrived at close quarters, we opened a deadly fire, and very few of them wholly escaped. They managed certainly at first to capture our guns, but they were again recovered by the fire of our three squares, and it was a most laughable sight to see these guards in their chimney armor trying to run away after their horses had been shot out from under them, being able to make very little progress 
and many of them being taken prisoners by those of our light companies who were out skirmishing. I think this quite settled Bonaparte's bodyguards, for we saw no more of them, they not having expected this signal defeat. That affair, however, only passed off a very few minutes before their infantry advanced and we had again to form line ready to meet them. We in our usual style let the infantry get within our musket range before the order was given to fire so that our volley proved to be of a fearful success. And then immediately charging them, we gave them a good start back again, but not without a loss on our side as well as on theirs. And no sooner had they disappeared than another charge of cavalry was made so that again we had to throw ourselves into square on our old ground. These cavalry had no doubt expected to appear amongst us before we could accomplish this, but fortunately they were mistaken, and our persistent fire soon turned them. We did not lose a single inch of ground the whole day, though after these successive charges, our numbers were fearfully thinned. And even during the short interval between each charge, the enemy's cannon had been making mischief amongst our ranks besides. The men in their tired state were beginning to despair, but the officers cheered them on continually through the day with a cry of, keep your ground, creep your ground, my men. It is a mystery to me how it was accomplished for at last so few were left that they were scarcely enough to form a single square. About four, I was ordered to the colors. This, although I was used to warfare as much as any, was a job I did not like at all, but still I went as boldly to work as I could. There had been before me that day 14 sergeants already killed and wounded while in charge of these colors, while officers in same proportion and the staff and colors were almost cut to pieces. This job will never be blotted from my memory. Although I am now an old man, I remember it as if it had been yesterday. I had not been there for more than a quarter of an hour when a cannon shot came and took the captain's head clean off. This was again very close to me for my left side was touching the poor captain's right, and I was splattered all over with his blood. One of his company, who was close by, cried out, Hello, hello, there goes my best friend, which caused the lieutenant, who quickly stepped forward to take his place, to say to the man, Never mind, I will be as good a friend to you as the captain. The man replied, I hope not, sir. The officer not having rightly understood his meaning, the late captain having been particularly hard on him for his dirtiness, giving him extra duty and such like as punishments. This man, whose name was Martin, was a notorious character in our regiment, and I was myself tolerably well acquainted with him, for he had once been in my company. But on account of the same thing, dirtiness in his person, he had been transferred to this the fifth company, where neither this poor captain had been able to reform him, try however he might. Still, he was for all that 
an excellent soldier in the field. But now I must get on with the last charge of cavalry, which took place not very long after this. Few as we were, when we saw it coming, we formed squares and awaited. Then we poured volley after volley into them, doing fearful execution. And they had to retire at last before the strong dose that we had administered. Not, however, with our losing more men and so become even weaker than before. We were dreading yet another charge, but all the help we got out of this was the cry of, keep your ground, my men, reinforcements are coming. Not a bit, however, did they come till the setting sun in time to pursue a retreating enemy. The Prussians under Marshal Blucher having arrived elsewhere, and although long expected, being only able at this period to make their appearance at last. I must say here that I cannot think why those charges of cavalry were kept up against our unbroken squares in spite of their being so constantly sent back. It is murder to send cavalry against disciplined infantry unless they have artillery to act in conjunction with them, in which case they might possibly succeed in routing them if they could take advantage of their falling into confusion, but not otherwise. That was the historian Ed Koss, author of All for the King Shilling, reading from the autobiography of Sergeant William Lawrence, and Ed's work is available to order online now. Stay tuned to The Napoleon Assist, where more instalments of the Voices from the Battlefield series will be released throughout the day.